Welcome back, everyone, to the Sound Logic Podcast. And today we're discussing album number 103 from Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 greatest album list. This is Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul. Hey, all you kids out there. Welcome to Three Feet High and Rising. I'm so glad we got to this one. Um, yeah. It's been it's been a joy to discover. I'm learning so many new things like Sony Walkman's Keep Us Walking. De La Soul can help us breathe underwater. Uh, uh, and I know we'll learn more tonight. Uh, it's It's been, a, I don't know. Yeah, like, well, I've got lots to say. I'm sure that I'll say it, but uh, hopefully this episode doesn't take us multiple hours because uh, I think we both have enjoyed it a fair amount. Yeah, I also have a, have a lot to say. And um, this is kind of, you might not know this just listening, but it because we'll kind of release everything all at once, but it's just been uh, a bit of a gap between our recording sessions. You know, just the summer's busy, life is busy. Yeah. So I've actually, we've both been able to listen to this album quite a lot because we kept putting off, putting <laughs> off. So just kept, I kind of go, I'm at work and I'm like, okay, what do I listen to? What's next? And it's like, oh, De La Soul. We still haven't De La, done De La Soul. Okay, I'll listen to it again. <laughs> it's been right. a lot of fun. Um, I, one thing, I guess before we start, I think we might have touched on this at the end of our last episode or maybe in the, the yeah. re-rank we talked about it, but that this is an, another of the very few bands that we've seen uh, from this specifically yeah well i guess between the two of us so right we've seen the stones and acdc we saw them together at the same concert so those we've seen Uh, you've seen you too you too and i i mentioned i think in that re-ranking episode that i was at live eight which featured more artists than I even realized. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Uh, I, I didn't specifically buy a ticket for them necessarily, which is okay. Uh, different than uh, you know going to see ACDC and the Stones. Uh, and I think overall, I guess they were part of a festival. There's some other artists that are on the list that we haven't reviewed yet mm-hmm. that we've seen, like uh, Coldplay. Yeah, uh, we've seen John Mayer. I've seen, and there's probably Fiona Apple's few. coming up. I've seen her. You see uh, Fiona very, Apple very that's briefly. Cool. Uh, she joined oh, cool. <laughs> Watkins Family Hour for uh, an evening. Um, anyway, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> but, um, three feet. Um, uh, De La Soul. Yeah, I saw in 2017, and I don't. Uh, if I've told this story, uh, bear with me. But uh, there was a festival in. Um, Burles Creek, which is up near, I think, between Barrie and Aurelia in Ontario. And that's where they do Boots and Hearts, which is a huge country festival. It's, it's, a, it's a huge thing uh, in Ontario. You go to, if you're a country fan, you go to Boots and Hearts. It's a big camping, uh, partying, huge thing, just massive. Well, at the same place, they did this thing called uh, the Big Festival, which was apparently a festival in England, and they decided to try it in 
Ontario. I think it only ran the one summer, um, but it's supposed to be a combination of music and food, big festival. So there were there were some some big acts. I mean, Ben Harper, OK Go, Weezer, the Strumbellas. Um, uh, Winter Sleep, a, a big, a fun band from Ontario called uh, Dwayne Gretzky. It was like a <laughs> like a, a party cover band, but they play everywhere and they're just a blast. Um, and some local acts too, and then all these different food things, local vendors, and um, you know some smaller celebrity chefs. And um, my wife was. Uh, we were there because my wife was invited with another a, com- a yoga company she worked for um, to do a family yoga set in the mornings. So that's actually why we got to go. Uh, but anyways, on on the Sunday, one of the one of the acts was De La Soul, so we saw De La Soul. Um, so that was Very like cool. really cool, like a band I really wasn't familiar with at the time. Sorry, I should say group. Um, well, and you said uh, it was a very family-friendly uh, festival, <laughs> and they were not terribly family-friendly, which is kind of an interesting twist because this album, compared to some of the hip-hop groups we've listened to, at least, is is very clean. <laughs> and, yeah, it's uh, it's quite clean. It's I don't very even little... think it has a, an explicit lyric sticker on the front, which most of them do. <laughs> they had just finished their second or third song, and it was it was fairly heavy with expletives. <laughs> and they kind of, they kind of looked over the crowd and like I don't know if they had an ear or someone came on the stage like, uh, listen, someone just told us that this is a family friendly event and uh, we didn't really realize that, so uh, we're sorry. <laughs> and then they just kept That's going. That's hilarious. And just kept doing their thing. And um, uh, I think it was just before that. So, so we'll talk a bit about this. De La Soul is is three guys, right? It's you want to just dive into some details? I feel oh, like we need that. Okay, but, but okay, hold on. <laughs> a, a quick story. It's two. It's two guys, like two MCs and a DJ, right? That's three guys in De La Soul. And their nicknames. Which we want to talk about? Plug one, plug two, plug three. So there's two MCs and a DJ. So they're out there and they're getting ready. And uh, you might you you have fun sounds for um, for censoring curses, right, Ben? Because I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say verbatim what this guy <laughs> says. Um, uh, so they're they're getting ready. They're getting on stage, and the DJ, you know, the plug three, he's he's getting his stuff set up and doing stuff. And there's large puffs of smoke uh, going up into the air. This is before uh, cannabis was legalized in in Canada, and uh, they're getting ready. And I don't know if they've done the first song. He's, and uh, he says. Uh, <laughs> I love Canada. Y'all got the best speed, man. <laughs> to the crowd of, of parents and toddlers <laughs> who are watching on. <laughs> so, uh, we're just here for the family-friendly food. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a lot of people our age who grew up with this. I, I mean, I wasn't into De La Soul, but grew up with, like, you know, early hip-hop and, and, right. and rap, old-school rap. Who were kind of like looking around at their kids like uh oh <laughs> like like you can see people like our age like getting into the music but kind of also yeah. being like is this okay uh, anyways okay so that, that's that's funny. just a little that it, it was really fun and um and and also very special and i'll talk about why it was special in a few minutes uh 
Time for details, right? <laughs> Let's dive in. Okay, okay. Okay, so, Three Feet High and Rising released March 3rd, 1989. This was their debut album. Um, okay, De La Soul, so the three of them are the primary songwriters and also produced by Prince Paul. So it really was the four guys who worked on the album. Uh, I don't think there is many, if any, live in, uh, music recorded. Like, it's all samples. Okay. All samples and and produced uh, beats and you know or like the the drum for a song was was straight lifted it's a sample and they just run it through. Um, it charted uh, well as we see with some early hip hop better in the UK. So number thirteen in the UK, number twenty four in the US, number one on the US R and B and hip hop charts. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Um, it's certified platinum in the US to date. A um, couple notes here. So we've talked about some of the, some really big albums from like Dr. Dre and uh, uh, Nas, Biggie, uh, Wu-Tang Clan from the early 90s and Gangster Rap, right? Uh, yeah. So so in the late 80s, there's a boom in Gangster Rap. Um, which is gravitating towards hardcore, confrontational, violent lyrics. And with this album, Three Feet High and Rising, it, it stood out from this trend by showcasing their more positive style. So it you can hear that through the album. It's more, it's more playful. It's more fun-loving. It's cleaner. It's it's uh, it's almost juvenile in the different jokes and the stories they tell. Yeah. Um, they do tackle some issues. I, I would say yes. they don't hold back necessarily, but it, it has a much lighter tone. Absolutely, uh, and it's not—it's it, not posturing to try and be tough uh, either. <laughs> no, and way. and from what I read, like that was intentional, like to mm. kind of sort of go not necessarily go against, but just to be a, an alternate choice mm. from that. Um, there's. Uh, there were eight singles released for the album. Wow. <laughs> Plug tuning, potholes in my lawn. <laughs> great song, <laughs> uh, buddy. I know. I'm gonna talk about that one. Uh, Me, myself, and I. Say no, go. The magic number, and tread water. Um, all were released between '88 and '89. Um, I think the first four of those were released before the album came out. Wow, which is quite a lot. Um. Yeah, and a big gap, June and then November and then December, January, like a, one yeah. way before the album. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and we've had that happen where people, where a band gets gets, you know, gets some recording done. They're like, "This is great. Let's get this out now," and then they're yeah. just not ready. To, it just takes a while before they're ready, or for whatever reasons, the label or whatever, mm-hmm. marketing. Um, I uh, there's a couple of, of okay. I'm gonna bounce around a bit. So so the title, the title comes from Johnny Cash's song uh, Five Feet High and Rising," um, and we'll talk about that samples that actually um, in one of the songs. But I'm gonna talk about some samples a little later because there's a lot of awesome samples in this record. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was selected by the Library of Congress in 2010 uh, to be added to the National Recording Registry. Um, 
Along with the rest of De La Soul's back catalog, Three Feet High and Rising was not made available for digital purchase or streaming until 2023 due to concerns about the legality of the samples for digital releases because this is before the time that you know you did things with permission or you paid or whatever um uh, and they're, they're not manipulated in the same way like sometimes we we listen to a kanye track and it lists all yeah. the the things that were sampled and we're like i can't hear that i can't pick yeah. it out oh it's because they changed the tone or they changed the pace or pitched it. yeah 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 the speed these are just straight I, I really love the song I Know, and um, <laughs> I went back to figure out who the, the sort of uh, guitar riff in the background was yeah. from, and it sounds just like it. It's a straight pull. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting the way they, and maybe it just has to do with the technology available at the time, or the way DJs were really just pulling from their vinyl collection and putting it on Absolutely. a turntable. Um, yeah. So, so 2023. It's kind of. Uh, I, I think it's. I'm. I'm glad we're doing it. Or it's. I won't say I'm glad. It's interesting we're doing our review this year because not only was that. Um, did that happen that they started uh, streaming those all that back catalog catalog? But also, unfortunately, we lost um, David uh, Jolicoeur. I hope I'm saying last name. Uh, Trugoy the Dove, Plug 2. We lost him uh, earlier this year in February, so he passed away. Um, Hmm. uh, I think he was 57, not that old. Um, So, and that's to me why it was special to see them uh, because they were all there and and he's gone now. So, um, yeah, so very, very sorry to hear that happening um, this year. Uh, Kind of the last note I have here three feet. High and Rising uses a sample-heavy production style. In addition to sampling from funk and soul tracks, as was popular in the hip hop, uh, in hip hop of that era, the album also draws from sources such as doo-wop, psychedelic rock, and children's music. <laughs> we'll get to that children's music uh, a little later when I talk about some of the samples. Um, any anything else to add for any of your? kind of reading as leading up to uh, this no uh, thanks for for sharing some of that um the, especially the the style being an intentional counter to the gangster rap movement sure. i almost found myself wondering like if this was just a, a time before uh when hip-hop was a little bit more innocent <laughs> uh, but yeah. to know that this was in parallel is an interesting dynamic as well um i don't know if you felt any of this at all while you've been listening to it and enjoying it but um if if there's something about uh our our whiteness that allows us to um find this music a little bit more palatable because it's not as aggressive as gangster rap i don't know that's been in in the Uh, back of my head uh here a little bit um and also making me wonder how i would hear rap that comes after this if this was a band that was a group that i was really into um you know back in the late 80s interesting Um, anyway those are those are side tangents for 
the next time we get to have a beer together, uh, <laughs> not necessarily for the podcast here tonight. <laughs> well, it is something that we have wrestled with. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but but I think in general, a lot of the music that I'll speak for myself that I've listened to in general, I just shy away from things that are more aggressive, more violence in mm-hmm. violent in any genre. So right. from a lot of the hip hop, especially the some of the more popular rap was gangster rap in the 90s, early 90s. Um, it, it really was, it did have a lot of those elements. And so mm-hmm. I don't think it's because I, I didn't like the genre. I, I just don't like that type of songwriting storytelling lyric writing yeah um in any genre um mm-hmm. it just so happens i don't listen to the other genres that have that at all <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know, right some of the more aggressive you know metal or whatever right so um mm-hmm. well that yeah helps I, soften my white guilt a little bit but um. I, I guess so <laughs> well yeah yeah i, I hear well, what yeah. you're saying yeah but there's a cultural like there's there in some of that as talking to some of our guests in some of that anger and violence even there's mm-hmm. there's things to relate to um if you if you know if you've come from a similar place if you've grown up in a similar place mm-hmm. like i i'm i i'm white and i grew up in canada so right those are two things that i don't have in common with the people writing a lot of that music um, but they i mean and in fairness they do actually speak about elements of of societal uh division and injustice in their music it's just done in a bit more of a uh more palatable way it's not as aggressive uh, palatable for us for, for us yeah um yeah, maybe yeah not but that that's that my way. point is that yeah is that you say palatable but for other people that gangster app is palatable it, or a there's... release in the same way that that metal is a release for suburban white kids. You know, like, like I guess I wonder I guess sometimes so, but... if, if there's some intentionality in that emotion and feeling. Uh, it's not meant to be more palatable. <laughs> a pal- palatable, uh, it might, pa- palatable is totally subjective, right? Like, yeah, it, that's it, true. That's true. Yeah. It, yeah, it just has to do with in this case us and and what mm-hmm. we're comfortable and familiar with. but anyways you're right yeah. maybe something yeah. else to talk about over a beer <laughs> well yeah and I, you know i did what i often do when i'm i'm really in, intrigued by an album i looked at what my social media circles have said about it and a lot of my friends have have listed this album as one that was very significant for them but i was oh, surprised okay. at how yeah. many of those folks were white dudes like us for who for whom this music was really significant and you know, maybe yeah. that was part of the reason that I thought, huh, this is interesting. You know, what, what is happening here in that um, this is making an impact in people's lives. And it doesn't necessarily seem to correlate in the same way that sometimes hip hop does with uh, with race or ethnicity in the same way. Well, we've also talked about a big shift in hip hop music as you get into the early 90s. Yes. Um, and the albums we reviewed so far from the 80s were generally, as you said, ones we enjoyed more. Public Enemy um, takes the nation millions to hold us back. Um, uh, Paid in Full by Eric B. and Rakim. So, like, there there is a shift to away from something that you and I (laughs) enjoyed a little more. Yeah. Um, But that's just us. (laughs) Um, And we're still learning. We're, uh, of course, we're learning. 
and and it's been yep. great to have we've had guests for a lot of those albums which have been really helpful in helping us uh you know just just understand this better um, yep. so let's move on to the album artwork which again really i think emulates kind of what they're doing in this album um okay so so much about this album and everything on it is about three right yeah it's all about the number three de la soul three words there's three guys three feet high and rising on the album cover it's very colorful but it's so much about triangles there's triangles three sides all triangles everything's divided into three um so the three guys like they're it's like the camera's on the ground and they're looking down at it the camera's looking up so they're looking down it's their faces kind of rotating around and then in a circle around them kind of in between their faces de la soul behind rising in very cartoony bubble letters the o in soul is a peace sign <laughs> um in between each of their faces there's a flower or a star very cartoony uh the the images of the the members are in black and white but everything else the background is bright yellow and the the letters uh, are colored in with green and pink and there's orange and blue in the flowers that are colored so it's it's got a, almost a psychedelic feel to it yeah soul right um so uh there's there's just and it's very playful very fun very juvenile as i said like it's like a it's like a little kid doodling in <laughs> school um with the flowers and the stars and all this stuff so um again look it up if you're not familiar with the cover look it up it's pretty it's a pretty fun playful cover and i again i think it emulates um it emulates the music and they also they look but they do look kind of pensive mm -hmm. i wouldn't say serious but they also don't look silly or fun like they're not really smiling mm -hmm. um, they've kind of got just kind of neutral looks on their faces so you almost get the sense of that they're also kind of thoughtful and intelligent and their lyrics are are, are incredible like just really thoughtful really creative yes playful but not not um not unintentional you know like not uh or not frivolous not just kind of thrown together it's well crafted so i think for me personally this album cover really fits the album very well yeah yeah agreed it 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 has some um kids music i mean it's it's kind of funny uh jack johnson also has a cover i guess you would call it of three is the magic number that he did for the curious uh -huh. george soundtrack which is uh -huh. also a yellow color a yellow cover um very yep. bright poppy um obviously features curious george and not three uh hip-hop artists but uh <laughs> there's some similarities there in, in uh children's cover to uh to this and yet uh there's there's more going on here there's some intensity like you said in the way that they are staring into the camera lens and uh and it does border with, especially with the peace sign in some of the sort of hippie or psychedelic kind of uh uh, culture as well too so um, yeah it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition of a number of different things yeah um, okay 
man I'm, you're mentioning jack johnson i'm dying to dive into some of this stuff <laughs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Was this entirely brand new to you? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the magic number sounds familiar, and so does I know, but I don't know if the magic number is familiar because I'm familiar with Jack Johnson and Schoolhouse Rock or because I've actually heard the De La Soul song. I don't, I don't know, too, if, if I know is... Um, just because that song pulled me in so quickly that it felt familiar or if I've actually heard it before. Um, it, it's definitely not an album I've ever pressed play on before. Uh, so I'm not sure where I would have heard either of those songs. Um, but, but yeah, no, it's pretty new to me. Uh, how about you? Um, so... No, first of all, I never listened to the album. Um, the one that was familiar was Magic Number. Um, and the first time I heard that was the Jack Johnson, because that came out like in the mid 2000s. Um, right. And we got, and you and I are both Jack Johnson fans, and, and, and uh, we, got the, we got that album. It's really good. But I didn't know, I, I didn't grow up on Schoolhouse Rock. I know it now, mm. but I didn't know it at the time. Um, so I then heard Schoolhouse Rock, the original version, later. And then I think the first time I heard uh, Three is a Magic Number by De La Soul was at the end credits to Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> uh, I remember seeing that movie and then the end credits start and they start with that. And because there's the three Spider-Men in that movie, they play three, and there's all these different drawings. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so they play that, and I'm going, what version is this? <laughs> I, I, what is this? And I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's De La Soul. I didn't know. So that was actually the, I'm a little embarrassed to say, but that was only like, what, two or three years ago that movie came out? So that was like the first time I heard this version. Um other than that, it's all new. Now, I'm dying to talk about different samples. Uh, are we ready for that? <laughs> yeah, let's dive in. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, um, the magic number, which is, okay, the second, after the intro, it's the first song on the album, right? So, the the whole background, the whole 
music and everything on this song is by Three is a Magic Number, which is by Bob Duro, who wrote Schoolhouse Rock. If you don't know Schoolhouse Rock, in the 70s, Bob Duro, who was a, a, a well-known jazz musician who wrote like Devil May Care and I'm Hip and a bunch of other cool uh, jazz stuff if you're into jazz, um, he got together with, with some producer and he's trying to find ways to make education a little more fun. So he came up with Schoolhouse Rock. So three is a magic number. Um, you know, Conjunction Junction? You know that one? Ben? Yep. Conjunction yep. Junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Um, so that's a good one. There's other ones too. So this whole series, Schoolhouse Rock. So the whole backbone of this song by De La Soul is really three's magic number. Okay. Um, also got um, near the end, you get the lyric. Um, you can hear near the end of three. Uh, How high is the water, mama? And that's from Johnny Cash's song, Five Feet High and Rising. How high is the water? Five feet high and rising. But they get put in three there, so three feet high. Um, so you get that sample also in this song, which is also the title of the album. Okay, so that's the first one. And, and the thing about a lot of these samples, a lot of times, you mentioned it, a lot of times when we hear Conway or other it's hard to hear the sample or like to really pick out for a lot of these, I was hearing the song going, wait, I know that. What is that behind it? So I was yeah, actually able yeah. to figure out some of these. Um, so I know you mentioned is one you really liked. I know. Did you know right away where some of that sample was coming from? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, but you looked it up, but I looked it up. You looked it up. So, um, there's many elements from the song Peg by Steely Dan from Asia, which is an album we reviewed not too long ago. Um, yeah. The bass and the horns, especially in the chorus, uh, are from Peg, uh, which was so awesome. And then the whistling is from, uh, they got this whistling riff. Uh, do, 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 I think is the one. That's from Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. Um, I'm sure you, and he's I'm actually sure. credited at least in iTunes. I think that um, uh, Fagan and and Becker are are credited as well. Okay. Um, in that, um, and you mentioned I can't remember, but there is that guitar riff at the begin beginning, mm-hmm. which is not from from Peg. It's from another another artist. Um, and the last one I want to talk about, I, there's tons of awesome samples now, but uh, I was listening to Say No Go and got about partway through and I went, wait, I know that song. The song <laughs> that they've sampled in the middle of that is I Can't Go For That by Hall and & Oates. And, and Hall and & Oates is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. I think they're just great. Um, and uh, yeah. When you're out on your did... yacht. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what's a cruising um, uh, cruising in a I don't know a Trans Am or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have an '80s car. Um, did Did you pick up up on the on the Hall and Oates in that one too? I don't know that I did. You have to go back and to go now. back and listen to go back and listen to it because um, you can hear the they they pull in some of the lyrics. Um, I think. You know how they, in the song, they go, uh, I can't go for that. No, no can do. And they, they 
move some of the words around to make it say say no go um <laughs> which, which is pretty great anyways um those are ones that kind of jumped out and it's funny that there's a lot of music that i listen to now that's older than obviously older than me and older than this you know that i'm listening to now that's all sampled in this music this album mm-hmm. from from 89 and the music's from <laughs> you know the 70s and earlier right so i mean it's it's just it's first of all it's just really cool <laughs> second of all it's really fun third it's yeah. really good good music and fourth their their emceeing and their rhymes and their lyrics are just awesome so well and i think just, i found that because they're using um actual tracks from yeah. other artists for yeah. their instrumentation yeah. that it sounds like uh, it sounds like they have it sounds a lot like the beastie boys are like a, a hip-hop band that's actually playing instruments at times because the drums sound real they don't sound like they're using a drum machine they sound sampled uh from something from an actual drummer right. um it's an interesting kind of way to do it feels um almost like it was done in an out of necessity because they <laughs> they were that was how hip-hop was being created in that time not right. by a producer kind of creating sounds in the studio um and so it's almost quaint in a way but it's really really I like it more. Maybe I wonder if that's uh, another part of what draws me into it is that there sounds like there's some real instrumentation because there is on a lot of these songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oops, sorry. I was into a band in college for a moment called the Gym Class Heroes that oh, that's tour, tour with a... Uh, I think they're also a three-piece, but it's like a hip-hop band with guitar bass and drums cool i think they maybe have a have an mc as well that that did some stuff with turntables but it was really fascinating just i i got to see them just live at a festival one time and was sort of blown away by what they were capable of doing kind of the reverse way mimicking studio sounds with a live band and uh, (laughs) this is kind of the opposite of taking live uh taking studio music and making it into um the background tracks um yeah so that that's just some of the samples just some of the ones that jumped out to me some that are fun there's there's tons more and some that are you know deeper pulls that that are awesome but i'm just less familiar so um just super super fun and and i want to say um seeing them live in 2017 you know um 18 years after this came out uh they were their image had changed in, in my opinion had changed a little bit you know they looked a little more adult a little more mature you know obviously you know the hairstyles are different they're a little older um and the lyrical content as we talked was was a little more uh was less pg uh, <laughs> a little more cursing but that fun and playful nature was still there 
for sure. It was a fun set, Ben. It was it was a total blast um, to see them. People were up dancing. I bet. Um, you know, they recognized um, that they were a little out of their element, um, but they had fun with it, and they didn't really seem to let it phase them. And I, I became... You know, I didn't go out and get all their albums, but I did become a big fan and have a ton of appreciation for them. That um, it was, it was kind of a weird um, bunch of musicians. You know, you had Ben Harper, you had Weezer, you had OK Go, you had a lot of more blues and rock, and then you've got De La Soul kind of plunked <laughs> in the middle, and they just rolled with it like they were great. So, I definitely going back to this album could kind of tie that to my experience seeing them really knowing nothing about them like I, I didn't do you know there was a bunch of acts I didn't go out and listen to this stuff I didn't listen to De La Soul before I saw them I was like who's playing this afternoon oh De La Soul I think I've heard of them we'll see what that's like you know like it was like nothing it was just super fun um, uh, before we go too further we've talked about music before we talk about it too much more let's pick our favorite tracks uh, quick reminder and if you're new Go to Spotify, search SoundLogic Favorites, and you'll find a, a quite large playlist now. We pick two tracks for each album we review. Um, ben, I'll let you go first. I think I know your choice, but maybe I do. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm making an assumption, but um, <clears throat> let me think here. What's your favorite? That's awfully kind of you to. Uh, to let me go first uh, because I, I know we're both drawn to I know um, huh. I you know what I'll, I'll pick that that line that I began the episode with uh, uh, Sony Watkins keep us walking De La Soul can help you breathe when you tread water is from tread water and uh, I don't know why that song is a weird one but I think it's it's one of those songs that gets kind of trapped in my head and uh so as long as you are planning to pick i know i will pick tread water i'm i'm not oh okay then i'll go back and uh, change mine to uh <laughs> i know because it's clearly it is the song that i like the most from this one <laughs> it's so it's so fun it's it's such a fun song it is it is definitely one of my favorites um, okay <laughs> uh, but not the yeah. one you're picking oh interesting no, okay I, i've got a lot of favorites and i thought about picking i know and i like i like say no go i like ghetto thang and change and speak um so many great songs um i'm gonna go with magic number it's just to me okay embodies so much about this album mm. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I I also really like I know because it makes reference to a bunch of other songs that have already come on on. It makes reference to Jennifer. It makes reference to um, uh, says something about you know two is a magic number. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking about you know a relationship, right? So uh, I know is really great, but I'm gonna go with the magic number. It's just it's so okay. much fun. It's nostalgic for me because it's got. You know the schoolhouse rock thing. You no, know, I didn't grow up with it. It reminds me of that kind of. Um, just going back and watching some of the the animation that went with that, it reminds me of kind of Sesame Street. And, yeah. Um, but it's such a fun track, uh, mm -hmm. so that's mine. Perfect. This one has caught me by surprise, and I, when we started this project, I expected this sort of thing to happen more often, um, but I don't think it has. 
I think I often have a sense of what I'm going to like and what I'm not going to like too much. So to get to an album I knew nothing about and be really touched by it, I think has been it's been really cool when that's happened, and to have it happen here again with this one is is really cool. Yeah, um, I did want to touch on one more thing before we kind of move to the next part here. When we get into kind of the '90s rap, we talked about gangster rap. We talked about the violence. The other thing that we see a lot in a lot more in that 90s hip hop and going on and even into, you know, into Kanye West and uh, Kendrick Lamar is, is uh, the explicit sexual content that, mm-hmm. that comes up. And, you know, um, we had a great conversation with Daryl Foster before we talked about uh, To Pimp a Butterfly because we asked about kind of, um, you know, the explicit, explicit sexual lyrical content. Um, of of that album and uh, and many other albums and and he kind of walked us through you know what some of the some of the meaning there, um, yeah, and that's the only thing. There's one or two tracks, you know. There's one skit on this album, and then another skit or track that you start to hear some of that that you really didn't hear much, like you didn't really have it in. For example, Takes a Nation Millions didn't really have it too much in um, Paid in Full. I don't think really at all. Uh, we listened to um, Low End Theory, uh, which oh, is yeah. like 92, 91 or 92. And again, you, you get this the, the political social commentary, but not too much of the violence or really aggressive, not too much of the sexual, a yeah, little bit, but, but really not overtly. And then you get into some other stuff that, that's quite sexual. Um, so that was the only thing uh, that, again, I wrestle a bit with. It's just kind of very in your face. Um, but again, it, it's, it's culture. It's a reclamation of, of something that, you know, a whole culture was told, like, you can't embrace this part of who you are. Yeah, well, and when, that... when it is included here, like <laughs> the song Take It Off almost gets kind of humorous. Uh... Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, there's there's still, you're right, there's still that playful nature. But again, yeah. you're, you're, you're starting, and, and this isn't negative necessarily, but you're starting to f- hear the, the, the evolution of this mm-hmm. genre, right? And, and we yeah. hear kind of Even where the, it the sort to. of segues between songs, too. Is yeah, this, the, some of the skits continues are... on. Yep, yep, absolutely. So anyways... Um, that's the only kind of interesting, I want to say yeah. negative, but one challenge I have with it. Um, but but in general, such a fun album. Great, great music, great production, great lyrics. Just chef's kiss, A plus, thumbs up, <laughs> everything. Well, I can't wait to see how it ranks. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so what has aged well? Yeah. And what has not aged well? Okay, so what What do you think, Ben? Do you want to kick us off here, or do you want me to kick us off? Well, it's so amazing that it's just recently been available for, for download yeah. and streaming because of that, that dynamic of how many things are sampled and, and sampled quite literally. Um, it, like I mentioned earlier, it almost feels quaint um, because of that dynamic. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I think that does date it somewhat. I think you have to be a bit more careful with how you use other artists' music these days. Um, 
And so for that reason alone, maybe it sounds a little bit dated. I, I think that just stylistically, it sounds like earlier rap too. Uh, but I, I think there's still probably artists that are trying to emulate that sort of laid back, more fun style that they have. Um, it's not as heavily, like it's more, it's more sampled than it is produced. It doesn't sound like a Kanye album where like a whole bunch of things have been layered on top of each other. It's pretty stripped down and, and maybe that in, it, in itself, even though I'm sure there are artists still doing it, uh, does date a little bit as well. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's not like I'm listening to this thinking uh, about how old it is, but it certainly has a vibe of another era while I listen. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think um, I think what's aged well is is kind of the um, again the the fun nature of it, the samples like. Uh, still, people are using you know jazz and funk samples. You know, yes. to listen to like again to talk about two pimp butterflies. Mm-hmm. Also, that Kanye pulls samples from everywhere, um, stuff you've never even heard of. Um, so, you know that that's fun. I think the the lyrics, the lyrics themselves, I think hold up pretty well. <laughs> are pretty fun. Um, the couple things that I don't think have aged that well: uh, the, the 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 rhythm and delivery of the lyrics. Again, you said it feels like from another time. I think, you know, modern hip-hop, even to the mid-90s and beyond, uh, has changed a lot in the delivery of the lyrics um, and the rhythm of it. So that kind of put as a younger hip-hop sound. Yeah. In terms of the age of the genre, younger, right? So, So that is the one. And I wouldn't even say that as you said, that it hasn't aged well. It just, it right. ages itself. Like you can tell where it's from. It's not yeah. timeless in the same way that other things where, you know, you could put this in any decade and, and it would fit there. This, you can kind of tell where it's from. That's not necessarily bad. And I'd say the only other thing is that we listen to, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of hip hop in the mid nineties was sampling older hip hop. Mm, yeah, um, you get you get a lot of hip hop that's using hip hop as a background, and so yeah. you don't get that here, obviously, because it's you know there's not as much to pull from, right? Right. Um, but we had, I think we listened to like a a Nas song that had been sampled like 900 times in other hip hop songs, <laughs> something like that, right? So right. so that's the only other thing. Again, that would be kind of an insider thing. You can't necessarily hear that, but just something that now. I think more hip hop is being sampled in hip hop, which is not their fault. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but 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 I think you know I think you could play it at at a club or a party, and I think a, I think it would still be a big hit. I think it'd be fun. Even if I was the only one who thought it was fun, it'd be fun. Um, okay, so do you want to move to? Perhaps the most famous the ranking. So was it yeah. sound logic? The question of the podcast. Um, number one hundred and three. Uh, you, you want me to go? You want me to go first? Uh, yeah, go for it. You went first last time. I'll go first this time. 
I struggle with this a bit because on one hand, um, I, I really like it. Like, I like it a lot. A whole lot. In terms of how much I like it, I probably want it a little higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I struggle again. We struggle, struggle just a little bit of, of ignorance, lack of education on my part in knowing just how much, just who this has influenced. Okay. I feel like I could hear more of public enemy in the hip hop that came, you know, in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like that, I understood more than I understand this. That's not to say it's not true. It's just, I understand. And maybe that's why public enemy is like, uh, takes a nation was I don't know twenty something on this list and this is hundred three uh, because it's more obvious or had more of an impact or whatever. Um, but I think that so so maybe that's why here. But but I think in terms of early hip hop, in terms of a band that that in, I mean they were touring. I don't know. I think right up until recently, um, un, until you know True Guy was was ill. Um, yeah, I think you know. So they've been, they've still been in the mix. Um, they've still been relevant. Maybe not one of the top, right. always a top, like a perennial top hip hop act. From at least from a outsider's view, but um, always a, a part of it. So I mean, yeah, I guess one hundred three is fine. Like, I wouldn't want to drop it down lower. Uh, I don't see right. any need to that. If anything, I'd bump it up a little more because it's okay. a really good it's a really good album in my opinion uh, I, I was all set yeah. to say this should be a whole lot higher um, but okay. hearing, hearing you talk about its influence and others yeah it does make me pause a little bit uh, the reason that I wanted to bump it up higher is I mentioned my social media searches and a lot of the posts right. that I was seeing from friends were sort of what are your top 10 albums and that's where it was showing up was people listing it among their most influential, most important albums in their life. And in a lot of uh, kind of music nerds, like people who we've had (laughs) as guests on this uh, podcast before, we're listing it. And so there's something about its impact in those who care about music being made that that makes it really significant and makes me a little surprised it's down this low when I I sort of poll the people I'm interacting with anyway. Um, But... Yeah, I don't. I don't hear people talking about De La Soul today, in the same way that they're talking about Public Enemy or um, Wu Tang Clan or, or some of the other music that came out around this this time. Um, but I think for those who love it, it is really, really special. It almost makes me like you mentioned a tribe called Quest and our experience with that one. Almost yeah. makes me feel a little bit like that, like this kind of hidden hidden gem from another era that those who discovered it just think it is the absolute greatest thing in the world. And, right. and for a lot of people, it is just unknown. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, kind of maybe, maybe this is <laughs> talking myself into maybe just feeling like this is an appropriate spot for it. Uh, but yeah, it, I could, I would like it to, to see it a little higher just based on my own personal enjoyment, but probably makes sense to have it around here. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's 
And sometimes you just come across something you just really like, and that's I yeah. think we both experienced. <laughs> I think we both yeah. experienced that here. We've listened, and we've listened to other things that are the opposite, where it's said to be you know super influential, and some people like it. And you and I listened to it and went, eh. Yeah. Eh, <laughs> right, can, right, right. You know, like so. Anyways, um, yeah. No, I'm just. It's happened so many times as we've been doing this, Ben, to just. Um, just coming across something that's just just really special and i think this album's really special well said uh, of course we always like to talk about if there are other albums um by this artist on the list good news is there is there's one more um uh on the previous versions of the list this was the only album that was there it was way up in the 300s on the other three versions uh, but it was represented bumped way up uh almost 250 spots um, and there's one other album which was added to the 2020 list. This is uh, at number 228. This is 1991's De La Soul is Dead. Um, so in a few years, we will we will get to talk about we'll De La discuss Soul. their demise. Yeah, when they all dead. died. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too, too soon, man. <laughs> um, so. Um, that's about it. Anything else? Final comments? Last words? Oh, it was fun. Um, that was great fun. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we say this before, but you know what? If you haven't listened to it, obviously we got some music playing in the background here, but if you haven't listened to this album, check it out. Um, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of tracks. I guess we didn't talk about that. A lot of tracks. I think about 24 tracks or something like that. And of course, a lot of those are skits. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, the whole we, we didn't talk about this but just the 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 first skit is kind of it's a game show <laughs> and they ask the contestants you know well, you've got you've got to uh, answer these four questions and they're ridiculous questions like how many yeah. how many feathers are on this kind of chicken or like it's just ridi- like chicken. ridiculous yeah. questions uh, <laughs> yeah um and so they keep cutting back to you know between the songs, you know, contestant number two, do you know the answer? Ah, uh, oh, my cousin was here. He knows this stuff. Now nah, I don't know. You know, just, just again, really funny stuff. But um, uh, yeah, check it out. Check out uh, Three Feet High and Rising. Um, a ton of fun. And Ben, why don't you tell us what we got coming up next week? Next week we've got an album for those of you who like quirky LP covers. Uh, we have. <laughs> Sticky Fingers by the Rolling Stones, which is known for having a zipper built into the yes. uh, the album cover. Uh, so I'm sure we'll talk about that and maybe even talk about some music. Uh, although I don't know, I'm sure it's four four timing and uh, rock and roll as they used to play. Uh, <laughs> oh anyway, dear, we'll have fun with it. I'm sure. Um, it's an album that you recently picked up or in the last I, year or two, right? I did. I um, and my my zipper on the album cover does not work, and I think many uh, many people who have the album have <laughs> it just starts to corrode, and <laughs> so I don't know if I can get it working again. But no, my zipper is totally stuck <laughs> on this That's album. Funny. That's uh, funny. But it is there. It is there. It's a real metal zipper. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, until then. We hope you continue to be well. We hope you take care of yourselves and those around you. Certainly, we hope you'll join us next time, right here on the Sound Logic Podcast. Thanks, Ben, and thanks everyone for listening.
If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.